This podcast is brought to you by the Administrative Committee of the Presbyterian Church in America, promoting the unity, purity, and progress of the church. Learn more about the Administrative Committee and support its work by visiting PCAAC.org. Welcome to Gifts and Graces. All Christians have communion in each other's gifts and graces, says the Westminster Confession. So on this podcast, we help you and your church benefit from the gifts and graces of other parts of Christ's body. Each episode, we bring you a seminar, sermon, or discussion from church leaders across the country and around the world designed to promote the unity, purity, and progress of the church. This is Gifts and Graces. On this episode of Gifts and Graces, we get to hear from Erwin Entz and Murray Lee as they share strategies for sustainable church health. Erwin is coordinator of Mission to North America, where he serves alongside executive coordinator Murray Lee. This episode was originally recorded as a seminar delivered at the 2023 General Assembly. Let's listen as Erwin and Murray discuss what constitutes a vibrant church and share strategies for sustainable church health. Here's what we want to take away, you to take away from today. Uh, ministry is lonely and hard and you don't have to do it alone. Uh, we're not here for church growth, we're here for church health. And MA exists to serve you so that you can uh, equip your people to serve the Lord. Um, let me tell you just briefly I, I planted and pastored Cahaba Park Church in my hometown of Birmingham, Alabama, 15 years ago. And uh, like many of you, I would get done with. A, a Sunday morning sermon or sermons uh, towards the end of, the, of uh, end of the time, and walking down the steps as they're singing the benediction, we're all singing the benediction. The close of the service, the the first thing that I'm thinking about, uh, first thing honestly, is a review of what I just said, and the second thing I was thinking about is what next Sunday. <laughs> That's right. Sunday's here, and Sunday's is coming. Uh, And on top of all that, we had to figure out, between the officers and the staff, we had to figure out how do we serve and equip our people to serve? How do we uh, meet real practical needs? And I'm going to give you several real examples from uh, from my 15 years. One, we had several families who have children with uh, various disabilities that prevented them from attending worship. And despite our uh, desires to love them well and their desires to stay, they had to choose another church that was more equipped to be able to handle uh, their, family, uh, their family's needs. I didn't blame them for it. They didn't blame us for it. But boy, I really, really wish, and they do too, that that, that didn't have to be the case. But I didn't know what to do. Um, our house in 2011 was leveled by a tornado. 
along with uh, several other uh, folks in our congregation and many other uh, homes around the area. How do you mobilize your people to respond to a disaster? We had several folks at our church who were uh, gifted uh, in uh, being bilingual and had hearts for an ESL ministry. Let's start an ESL ministry. I don't know how to start an ESL ministry. I'm just still struggling over what I just said on Sunday morning, thinking about next Sunday, right? Um, there was a, a local church who had some involvement with the local prison, but there was no real coordination among us. How do we get our people involved uh, in, in local prison ministry? All right, now here's, here's, here's the cool part, and I bet you know where I'm going with this. Mission in North America has ministries for each of my predicaments. And you know the worst part? I was on the permanent committee and didn't know the answer to all those questions. Some of the time, I was the chairman of the permanent committee. I'm not ashamed. Well, I'm actually a little bit ashamed to admit, but we're among family and friends. But what, I want, what we want you to take away here, and I'm going to, introduce, I'm going to have Erwin come up now. Um, what we want you to take away here is that while ministry can be lonely, you are not designed and not capable and ought not to do it alone. That we ought to be living in community. And, uh, and one of the ways that we can uh, enjoy and see church help is through a robust missional engagement of our, of our people. Thank you, Murray. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, it's a joy to be with you to see this room full. Um, and I'm grateful to Murray for sharing those stories. Uh, I'm going to do just two things in these few minutes that I have the microphone, and I'll hand it over to uh, Chris Vogel, who serves as our coordinator for church planting and, uh, and vitality. Talk to you about MA's. Um, purpose and M&A's mission uh, in our work. Um, but first, one of the things that um, came to mind as Mary was talking a year ago at our lunch uh, at the assembly in Birmingham, our keynote speaker was uh, Pastor Albert McGowan of Redeemer uh, Church in Jackson, Mississippi. And he talked about how his... Um, uh, his pastoral cohort got together and they uh, had an opportunity to, to uh, have um, uh, our brother who has gone to glory, uh, Dr. Tim Keller, uh, be with them and kind of share uh, his thoughts with them about, uh, about ministry. And, and Elbert said they asked him, well, you know, what's the, uh, what is the, uh, the highlight or the better things about being a part of a denomination uh, like the Presbyterian Church in America. And he said that, um, what Dr. Kellett said is, uh, he said it's the denomination's committees. The denomination's committees and agencies. He said, because they enable us to do things that we couldn't do as solo churches by ourselves. Having committees that are, that are able to come alongside in a variety of ways 
enable our churches to, to do things that pertain to being healthy in terms of their kingdom work in a particular context that they wouldn't be able to do with a, just a solo congregation. And so with that, here's, here is, here's why Mission to North America exists. This is not what you're going to find in Rules of Assembly Operation, Chapter 6 and Paragraph 2, when you look there about uh, the definition of Mission to North America, but this is a clearer definition than RAO 6.2. And it is simply this. M&A's purpose is to cultivate the kingdom advancement through the PCA in North America. We strive to come alongside our churches in any variety of ways to help our churches cultivate the advancement of Christ's kingdom in their local context in the United States uh, and Canada. And so here's our mission in a fuller sense then. Uh, We exist to provide expertise with excellence to all PCA churches, presbyteries, and networks. So our striving is to provide missional expertise with excellence, full stop, to all PCA churches and presbyteries and networks in North America by offering a suite of practical ministry resources, training, equipping, and assisting in missional purpose, serving communities to advance God's kingdom. This is what we strive uh, to do. Murray shared ways in which that has happened for Kaaba Park. I have similar stories when I pastored City of Hope Presbyterian Church in Columbia, Maryland. You'll get to hear a little bit later about ESL and Nancy Boer, but uh, that, that uh, turned out to be an opportunity for us when we met in a community center in Columbia, Maryland, and we were noticing that they had, we had um, a number of people around us that we just had no way to engage um, who came from different uh, countries, spoke different languages, we got engaged with our M&A, M&A uh, ESL ministry, started a training, we launched a ministry, we changed our Wednesday night Bible study to our ESL training, found out that there were 30 different languages spoken just around our community center, gave us opportunities to engage people with the good news of Christ, um, who we would not have had we not done that ministry. So, um, anyway, here's what I'm going to do. We're gonna, I'm going to transition to Chris Vogel, and he's going to talk particularly about our ministries. You'll get to hear some practical examples from folks who have been served by Mission to North America and growing health in their church. All right. As introduced, Chris Vogel, uh, church planning and vitality coordinator. Up until I uh, stepped into this role uh, in January, I served in a consulting form for several years with M&A. But stepping into this role, the title was expanded. It was always church planting coordinator. Now it's Ann Vitale. Because this communicates something very important. Let me explain it by way of an analogy. Um, growing up in Pennsylvania, southeastern Pennsylvania, living in South Carolina for four years, my wife and I grew to love azaleas. Azaleas are a beautiful, beautiful flowering bush. 
of a riot of colors of fuchsias and pinks and yellows. We then moved to Wisconsin. (laughs) There are no azaleas. We were heartbroken. Several years later, we did find a hybrid that could take Zone 5A, and we bought some azalea. We bought some azaleas. They were not cheap because they were hybrids, and we planted them and tended to them. We planted them, of course, in the fall when they would take root. And then, as the snows and yes, Wisconsin, as the snows covered these tender little plants, spring came, May, sometimes June. Um, and the snow receded, and the azaleas were this big. They had been gnawed down by rabbits. I hate rabbits. <laughs> and we were, not, we were somewhat daunted because we just uh, spent the uh, planting money at that point, and we waited a few years, and a few years later, just somewhat recently, we've been there 35 years now, we thought, let's try it again, because we love azaleas. And so we bought some more azaleas, and we planted them. And the azaleas along the garage have taken root, and this is now our second spring of yellows and pinks. The azaleas under the flowering crabapple tree didn't make it the first time. We replanted them again, because we're a glutton for punishment. And I'm sorry, Jan, I don't know if you've noticed, those two are dead now. Um, yes, the leaves are all because we're in the midst of a drought. We should have been watering them. That's our fault. <laughs> this is the analogy for why vitality is critical when we talk about church planting. It's critical because if we think that all we need to do is plant a church, it's like planting azaleas in Wisconsin. The soil matters. Because, yes, there were varmints that destroyed them. The, the, the acidity level or whatever it is was not healthy for it. The amount of water and shade and sun and all of those factors go into it. Soil is critical to a plant. Vitality is the soil and the health of the soil for church planting. So as has often been the case, um, and I, I, I mentioned this before, I was... Uh, a past president, I believe, who used to say the last thing anybody wants to hear is, hello, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. The same thing can be said in some cases, perceived perhaps, of M&A. Hi, I'm from M&A, and I'm here to help, which means I want your money, and I want to take people from your church and start another one. And meanwhile, you're going, what about us? That is perception, not reality. M&A is here to really help vitalize the churches, to see them flourish. Because when your church flourishes, we all flourish. And when your church flourishes, it's time to plant another one. And so that's why when you hear about M&A and you hear about these ministries, this is the means, the mechanism to plant a church. Church planting is not an end in itself. It is a means of the gospel to go forward. And so that is why when, when you hear these, these opportunities um, uh, presented, and so many more, um, you'll see them in the M&A booth. If you've been in the exhibit hall, I don't know if you noticed the M&A booth. It's uh, tucked away and hard to spot. <laughs> we're, we're making the statement, we're, we really are here to serve y'all, and we want to do that well, with excellence. And so all those ministries are there to help build up your church. Our desire is to see 
every one of our ministries flourishing in every one of our presbyteries, and to see at every uh, to see in every one of our churches partnering with at least one of our MA ministries. Because our ministries are outward facing, they're part of the kingdom advancement. And so again, we want to encourage you uh, when you hear about church planning, you're hearing about vitality. They all go together. When, um, when I was, uh, when we were beginning Cahaba Park, one of the things that my uncle and aunt who came to the church for a period of time said to me, and my southern friends would appreciate this, they said to me, you know what I like about you, Murray, <laughs> about your preaching? I said, what's that? They said, you put the hay where the goats can get it. <laughs> And that means I make things practical for people. So we're going to make things... Okay, goats, we're going to put the hay down where you can get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hold on a minute. That's not biblical. Okay. What we mean is we're going to introduce now three different... We're going to give you three different really practical uh, examples. We have 25 ministries that, can, that exist to serve you so that you don't do it alone. But... We only have time to talk about a few of them. And the team that put these together said, well, why don't we, why don't we ask these, these three? So the first one that I want to introduce to you is Mark Casson. Mark Casson is the director, come on up, Mark, of Metanoia Prison uh, Initiatives. And he is going to talk ministry, and he's going to talk, uh, introduce to you John Price. Hello. So about um, three times a month, I get a phone call from a pastor or an elder that goes something like, Hey, are you the prison ministry guy with Scotch at GA? Yes. Well, I've got a guy coming out of prison. What do we do? Any of you faced that before? Well, I got a call from John Price about 2015. And his situation was, I've got somebody who's a member who's a registered sex offender coming out of church. And I've got some people in my church that are a little concerned about that. What do we do? So my response was, well, I'll come up. I'll do some education, some equipping, some training. Maybe we'll recruit some of your people to serve at prison ministry, and we'll see how things go. And so that's the context of which I met John Price. I don't think I gave him any scotch um, in the past, but look for me tomorrow night. Thank you, Mark. Uh, my name is John Price. I'm the uh, pastor of Covenant Community uh, Presbyterian Church in Wexford, Pennsylvania. Uh, which uh, is just north of the city of Pittsburgh. And uh, any Steelers fans in the house? No, man, usually. I mean, a group this size, there's at least one. Um, But uh, as Mark said, in uh, predating 2015, I had been at my church for about a year and a half. Now I've been there almost 13 years. And a husband and wife come into my office and sit down, and they're both in tears. I said, what's going on? There's a lot of things that I thought was going on. What was going on is that the FBI had just raided their house. And that began a process in our church, in our session. How do we come alongside this couple? How do we protect our church, family? How do we do this all in a way that cares for all involved, who hopes 
to see that the gospel actually does bring restoration and hope in people's lives. And so we walked through the process. Uh, the husband eventually went to prison, uh, was sentenced to two years in federal prison, uh, was released uh, early. Um, and when we found out when he was going to be released is when I reached out to Mark. Because at that point, after two years or so, your congregation has begun to change. People who weren't there when this originally happened are now there. And so reached out to Mark, and Mark graciously and gladly came and did a seminar uh, for our church, spoke in our adult Sunday school class, um, and really guided us and helped us, and, and even, I think, even more so than us as a, as a session and a church, helped care for and guide uh, this hurting wife, encourage her, help her think through some of the ways in which she would have to re-engage her husband as he comes back into their family's life, into the life of the congregation. And so, um, Metanoia has graciously and greatly helped us as a congregation welcome and serve this family uh, who are still a part of our church. Um, In the process of all of this happening, we lost a total of two families. And those two families, as much as it hurt to see them go, kind of like Murray shared, it was just too big of a hurdle for them to get over. And we had to let them go with grace and, and, a, and a blessing. But not only has Metanoia helped us in that way, but Metanoia has helped our congregation minister to incarcerated people. We had, I think, 15 or so folks sign up uh, to be a part of um, the um, um, correspondence ministry. Um, Many of those folks are still doing the correspondence ministry. I have one woman in in particular who was in correspondence ministry with a, a woman in prison who has become very close friends with this woman. She helped walk this woman through the death of her son while she was in incarcerated through a divorce that her daughter experienced while she was incarcerated in prison and has just ministered as a older sister to this woman in her life. They exchange letters consistently outside of the correspondence. I don't even think the correspondence. Uh, they're still doing the actual Metanoia correspondence ministry, but they still continue to minister. It's a wonderful way for your people to minister to those who are in prison. You know, not everyone can go into the prison for various reasons. Um, it's become increasingly harder to get into prisons, uh, especially um, in places that we've previously had ministries uh, in prisons. Um, and so this is a way for your people in your congregation to have an impact on those who are incarcerated for our people to minister to those who are in prison as Jesus calls us to. So just to encourage you in that way, um, not only has Metanoia 
uh, ministered to our church in those various ways, but um, our church has been transformed. I was just reading through this. There have been there are at least nine M and A ministries that have impacted our church deeply, and have come alongside us and helped us in ways like Murray said. I had no idea what to do. Ashley. This is Ashley Belknap. She is the Director of Engaging Disability with the Gospel, and she's going to introduce Ken McCurd. Thank you. I get the privilege of introducing Dr. Ken McCurd. Um, our mission in Engaging Disability with the Gospel is to disciple and enfold kids, teens, and adults impacted by disability. And our hope is that we will get to 100% of our PCA churches in the next 10 years. We already have reached 496 of them, of which First Pres Augusta is one. And so I'm really excited to give you a glimpse at the way that we can help make your church stronger by discipling and enfolding all of your people instead of maybe 92 or 93%. Um, there are so many things that I could say about Ken, and I wanted to focus on the parts that hit at all of you pastor hearts out there, which is when we go into a church and we are trying to help you figure out the next small steps and wanting you to know that you can reach every single person in your congregation, and we can help you figure out how to do that, the things that matter the most are your willingness to love your people well. And when I met Ken, it was so obvious his humble heart, his love for his people, and his genuine desire to want to reach the folks at the, the edge of First Pres Augusta all the way into the ones that are in the heart of the church. So I'm excited for him to share a little bit of how we've been coaching this church for the last four years. Thank you, Ashley. I'll start with um, just a personal story. Uh, the first question is, um, how has engaging disability impacted us and me, and why is it so important? I'll start with a personal story, but before I do, you talked about azaleas. Oh. My, my wife is not here, but she actually cut down azalea bushes in our, in our house. And so we, yeah, I know that. I know that. We heard. I've only been there for a couple of weeks before we heard. That's a no-no. We, we know now. Anyway, um, so, and, and please don't tell my wife I told that story. When, when I was in the, in the third grade, um, I was bused from a predominantly black neighborhood into a affluent white neighborhood. And as a third grader, I didn't understand what was going on. I remember anger. I remember harsh words. And I remember something particularly that my teacher said to me. You do not belong here. And we do not want you. Engaging disability helps us reach people who may have heard that. You do not belong here or we do not want you, or we don't know how to minister to you. And we want to, but we have no idea how to. It's a horrible feeling when you want to be a part of a ministry or a community in the church, and you can't be. 
engaging disability has helped us look at that issue in our church, address it, and then they're helping us respond to it. So let me tell you how it started. It started with one of our uh, members who has uh, a child with a disability, uh, and she was um, called by God to start a ministry called Hand in Hand. And that ministry reaches out to families and individuals with children who have disabilities, and we walk alongside them and help them as they engage our church. We have a buddy system where buddies come, uh, come with the children into their Sunday school class so that the parents can go to their Sunday school class. And so our um, director of that ministry, Susie Lovecamp, uh, met with Ashley, found out about uh, engaging disability, um, met with her, and from, I think it's 2020, uh, for three and a half years, three years, uh, Ashley and her team have helped us not only identify how we can impact a hand-in-hand ministry to help parents and children and individuals with disability, but also something remarkable happened that God opened up that opportunity to engage the larger church. So let me share with you how he's done it with two of our ministries. The first is uh, Sunday school uh, for our, our children, our small children. Uh, Ashley and her team has uh, um, trained our volunteers, uh, provided material like uh, children's catechism, buddy boxes, uh, um, material that help those with disabilities become a part of the classroom. And so they're not just there sitting and waiting um, for the other students to learn. They're engaged in learning. In our youth group, in our young adult department, we had, um, I think, three or four young adults who were in their 40s, and I, I can call that young adult now. <laughs> uh, they were in their 40s, but engaged with um, young adults in their 20s and 30s. But because of their disability, they felt comfortable there, and we didn't know how to move them into other areas where they could engage with people of their own age group or circumstance in life. And Angela has helped us. Um, to, that's enough. <laughs> Ashley, Angela didn't help us. Ashley has helped us engage uh, those um, individuals. And let me just give you one example of what happened recently. Um, one of our young adults was on a um, retreat. And he um, can be really intimidating, but he's, he's, he's a... He's soft on the inside and really rough on the outside. And uh, Ashley helped us come up with ways to re-engage him if scenarios presented themselves where it could be really difficult. And one of those scenarios presented uh, itself. And we didn't know it was going to happen. This was at the end of our retreat. This uh, older man saw this single lady and said, I want a hug. 
And she said, I'm uncomfortable with that. Normally, that would be it. And he said, no, I want a hug. He couldn't understand why she would be uncomfortable with that. Ashley helped our volunteers know that if this happened, ahead of time, they would look for alternatives and redirect him. And so one of our volunteers stepped in, prepared, because Ashley was there to help, and said, um, why don't you give her a high five? And both, they both agreed, and they gave a high five, and, and the situation was de-escalated. That could have gone horribly wrong if we didn't have the resources to help us. One of the last things that we've discovered that was uh, very surprising is that uh, we wanted to engage the dis um, people with disabilities not only in Sunday school, but the whole church. And right now, we started a committee called the Flourishing Committee to identify people uh, within our whole church and, and see where they don't have a fit yet and try to remove those barriers to help them uh, get a fit. And so, um, how can I encourage people to be involved in uh, uh, engaging disabilities? Well, go to the uh, exhibit hall. M&A has their own zip code. Um, find that zip code. And I think there's somewhere, you're, somewhere near the end, right? Okay. Um, and find Ashley, not Angela, but Ashley, and she can explain how you can be a part of their program. The M&A website is a great resource. I have to tell you, I did not know this resource existed. We knew we had the concerns, but I did not know. And as a pastor, I wanted to um, reach people that we couldn't reach. And this program has done that. So thank you, and thanks for allowing us to share. This is Nancy Boer. Nancy is our ESL director, and she's going to introduce to us Holly Langford. Hello. Get out of this light for a second. Did you know that God has literally sent the nations to our doorstep, right? And through ESL ministry, you can now reach the nations by simply loving your neighbor, by starting ESL ministries that will teach English to adult immigrants, refugees, asylum seekers, international college students. So I've asked Holly Langford. She's the ESL coordinator at Trinity Presbyterian Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and she's an excellent ESL coordinator. She's so good, in fact, that we recruited and trained her to be one of our awesome ESL trainers that will come to your church and teach you how to do this. So we're just about ready to start our 10th year of ESL ministry at Trinity. Um, you know, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, we recognized that the demographics in Harrisburg were, were changing quite a bit. And uh, this happened out of a, um, a ministry that was uh, a neighborhood ministry at a local apartment complex. And I served in that ministry that summer uh, and met a lot of the internationals that lived in our, our community, in our township. 
And with that, I also met a woman named Mona, who was from Chad, who did not speak English. And I, I um, approached our senior pastor about maybe starting an ESL ministry, and that's how the ball got rolling. Um, we prayed first, and we contacted Nancy Burrett, Mission North America second. She gave us the framework for organization and set up a training for us. And uh, we prayed for six volunteers, and 12 came forward. It was really exciting. Um, and so, we, as I said, we recognized that people from all over the world uh, were coming to Harrisburg. Um, so we trained our volunteers, and we got started. We were small when we started, and it grew from that point. But to tell you that, just just happened to be about the time that our church um, identified 60 to 70 people to be a church planting team to go to Hershey to plant a church. So what this did is it gave us, uh, at those of us who remained in Harrisburg at Trinity, um, an opportunity to get excited and engaged in a new ministry. And so it, it just provided that little bit of well, we're left behind, but not really. We just remained as we sent this team to go to Hershey. So we taught conversational English to our international neighbors. We loved them well by teaching conversational English. They were able to get better jobs, and they were able to uh, communicate and participate in, in activities in their neighborhoods and in their community. They could call and make appointments for their cars to be repaired. And they could converse with their teachers, uh, their children's teachers. So that was, that was exciting because we saw a difference. We saw uh, some of our students get their GEDs and, and get their um, qualifications to have better jobs and to become homeowners. That was exciting. Um, this also has segued or springboarded into additional ministries. We had a summer ministry that worked with... Um, college students coming from all over around the world to work in the hospitality industry at Hershey Park, which is very close. And we had dinner and discussions at the International House. We would take dinner down to the International House on a Tuesday night, and we would serve them, get to know them, and then we would have dinner and discussions where discussing our faith, having a little bit of ESL, teaching idioms and grammar and so forth. So that was exciting. We also have had an ESL women's Bible study, and uh, recently, within the last year and a half, we started a refugee assistance ministry where 20, a team of 25 uh, people have sponsored, um, through, through Trinity, have sponsored and walked alongside a beautiful Afghan family who arrived with mom ready to deliver a baby, number four. So that was really a lot of fun and excitement. And we also are sending a team to One Voice Fellowship for a week of language camps in two weeks. Personally, I love coordinating the ESL ministry. I love serving alongside the team. We all come with different gifts, and it's nice to rely upon others to serve alongside uh, each other to, to, um, to serve the community. Um, in addition to the training, the teacher training, I've also had the, the uh, teacher teacher training. And that's been fun because you get to go into other churches or host uh, ESL trainings at our church to, to start new ESL programs. So most of all, I love sharing my faith. I love sharing the hope we have in Jesus. 
we have seen the fruit of having some of our students come to faith, be baptized, become members, serve alongside us in, um, in ministry. In fact, one of our ESL teachers is the daughter um, of an ESL student who came to faith, was baptized last two years ago in, in um, Jan January, and she's a fabulous ESL teacher. So, and all for his glory, of course. Okay, the so what in the last, uh, in the last 60 seconds. There are some of us in the room that, that will tend to think uh, ministry is, you know, all the stuff that has to happen in the church that I lead or in which I serve, it's got to all come from me. Um, when you, you know, when you heard me say at the beginning, uh, uh, ministry is lonely and we shouldn't do it alone, um, that, uh, for, for those of us, that, that's, not, that's not me. My, my problem was more, I didn't think I needed to do it all on my own. I was, I was oh, pretty good at delegating, but what I did make the mistake is I thought we had to figure it all out on our own. God's called us as a local church. He's equipped us with elders and staff and deacons and godly people, and so we should be able to figure out how to serve the people in our congregation. But that's really untrue. So here's, here's the challenge that I have for us. We've got like, how big is the booth? It's like 2,000 square feet. No, it's, no, it's 20,000 square feet. It's 20 by, right. It's huge. 2,000 square feet is smaller than this room. Um, it's bigger than your house. Yeah, it is. Um, I want you to go to the city park, and I want you to go up to a few of the ministries and ask them this question. If our church was doing uh, uh, outreach well to the immigrant and refugee in our community, what would it look like? Don't tell them what you're doing. Just ask, what, what does healthy outreach look like? And let's see where that engagement goes. Here's another question to ask. Go up to the bent tree booth and say, how do I know I'm caring for my pastor well? What would that look like? You can go down the line. You can, any of these ministries, we are, we are here to serve you for, uh, for missional engagement and, and help. And you don't have to figure it out on your own. You can hear more talks like this by subscribing to the Gifts and Graces podcast. You can also hear more content like this by attending a seminar at General Assembly. They are free and open to the public. Find out times and locations by visiting pcaga.org. Thanks for listening to Gifts and Graces. <laughs>